Hello and welcome to Wellosophy. I'm Will Anderson, the host of the podcast. My name's in the title. I did see somebody on Twitter this week. Uh, so, look, uh, here's the thing. I don't really uh, Google my own name. I, I There was a point in my life where, of course, like everybody, I had a natural curiosity about what people thought about me. But then I realized, of course, uh, that uh, while there are plenty of people who think nice things, and I thank you for those people, there are also people who don't think nice things. And if I go looking for the nice things, I'm also going to find some of the nasty things. So I've cut looking for either of those out of my life. But the other day I was trying to Google something to do with the uh, the podcast and I very innocently just Googled the title of the podcast, Philosophy, and somebody on their Twitter page, I didn't uh, click through. I'm still better than I used to be. I didn't follow it up. I didn't read their other tweets to feel mean about them or how many followers they had, but I did see it and all their tweets just said was Philosophy, question mark, Ugh. And so anyway, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I thought the last one might have been the last one for a while. Uh, Mark Colvin, if you haven't checked that out yet, it, he was absolutely brilliant on the podcast and it was so exciting to have him on. And I thought we might have been done. But then uh, this was very exciting. Uh, I, I was I, I noticed this man might have been in L.A. I'm in L.A. at the moment. I noticed this man might have been in L.A. Uh, when he started tweeting about having found good coffee in L.A. And I immediately responded because... Uh, having lived here on and off the last seven years like you know one of the things that really pretty much I do with my day is the pursuit of finding places that actually might have good coffee uh, going to places that I'm tricked into thinking might have good coffee for about two weeks and then realizing that they don't really have good coffee they just had better coffee than the other terrible coffee and now I really actually have to find a place that has good coffee anyway this is a very long preamble but I'm not going to do a separate one so let's just start the podcast Uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, thank you welcome I'm very excited to have uh, this guest here, um, we we haven't had a real chance to have a sit down and have a conversation like this, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, but we are people who have been uh, in each other's orbits and have met a few times, and so uh, I'm excited to, for this to happen today. So, uh, firstly, I, I ask this every podcast, but who are you? Um, Adam Briggs, coffee connoisseur, friendly face, <laughs> friendly face who gets let in the buildings, even though I didn't press the correct numbers. Yeah, I mean, I did. I was surprised because I, I had a bag of garbage by my uh, door that I was going to put in the in the like the bin on the way down when I when I came down to get you at the door. And then suddenly like my doorbell, which I d- discovered today after four years, did not know how it sounds. <laughs> Does not sound like a bell. Sounds like something that's broken. My doorbell <laughs> sounds like, like a doorbell that's given up. Like I've not used it for four years and it did not realize it was ever going to be I was downstairs trying to press the buttons Ah. and I couldn't figure it out and then this lady was just standing there like just sick of my shit right she was just can I do it I'll let you in this is the plan to get into buildings just mash a bunch of buttons I just stand at the front and I smile and I press the buttons you do have a friendly face though I I actually do think that about you I think you have a like because you're a big dude so you could come across as being like intimidating or untrustworthy but I do think you have like a is that is that a fair thing to say I try to be nice like I try to because I understand like it'd be easy for me to be intimidating so i try to be you know overtly nice and that's you know why i'm tired at the end of the day right it takes a lot right <laughs> yeah to does. be constantly nice it does. I, I, you know I, I try to smile and if someone thinks i'm upset it's just this is just the way that i look i mean it's pretty easy to be nice as long as you're not around other people i've yeah. found yeah i'm i'm a real solo kind con- like i'm out here by myself like and 
I I enjoy my own company. I'm a real I'm a real solo kind of dude. Okay, let's put a pin in that because I like that idea and I am also and I want to talk to you about that. But I I imagine in this imaginary world I have that uh, people get annoyed if I don't ask people about the philosophy early okay. in the podcast. Yeah. I to be honest have never had that feedback. Okay. It's just feedback the imaginary listener in my head <laughs> that gives is, me advice in the podcast. Imaginary Google search. Yeah. Sometimes when it gets like halfway into the podcast, then I, I feel like there's people at home going, "What's his fucking philosophy?" So I'm going to ask you, "Do you have one?" Are you a person who has I've a particular a guiding? Yeah. What? Well, go on. Please. I've got a couple. I've one is like, if it sucks, do it better next time, and that I, I took that on board with. Um, with my tattoos. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I get a shit one, I'll just get a better one next time. Um, and that one, like, it, it's not about, um, like, releasing crap and right. doing things that suck. It's just, like, do it the best you can at this moment and then next time do it better. Well, I dig this because I, th- I think there's great power in... Like I say this to people all the time. I really think the last 10 shows, 11, 12 shows that I've done at the comedy festival have been better every year. And the reason is that I gave myself, I gave that arrogance away that I was going to write something that was great and perfect. I was lucky enough to talk to John Cleese and he spoke to me about the idea that when he was young, all he wanted to do was write Citizen Kane. He wanted to be Orson Welles and with your first movie, you write Citizen Kane and it's the greatest movie of all time. But he didn't. He wrote... Well, he wrote... No, no, he didn't. But he wrote... (laughs) Faulty Towers and yeah. he said he got an insight into what that's like because then for the rest of his creative life every single thing he did was measured against Faulty Towers and in that moment I went from thinking oh right everything I write's got to be Faulty Towers to thinking I'll do the best thing I can do this year and you know what the great news is when I get to the end of this tour and when I get to the end of these ideas I will be in a better place to do something better the next year but I have to first give myself over to the idea that this thing that I'm doing right now will not be perfect yeah, I, th- I don't. That's how I feel. Like with music and with comedy, I, I try to make it the best thing in that moment, and I really try to just because I feel like that's where a lot of my energy comes from, and a lot of my ideas they come from that moment, and I just try and capture all the things around that moment and the moments around creating whether I'm creating an album or I'm writing sketch or a script. I just try and capture whatever I can in that moment and bottle it and put it into whatever it is and that's it just let it be and I feel like it kind of trains you to be more productive to keep doing and keep going and keep creating and keep like it trains your brain to create more rather than just you know dwell on one thing it's like that that saying of you've had your whole life to write your first album and that's why, you know, a lot of people find it hard to follow it up because right. now they've got 12 months to write another album or if it's 2016, you've got 12 days. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think sometimes what people miss in that, and I've been guilty of this myself as a, as a comedian, is like, well, I've talked about that thing before. But the truth of it is that Bruce Springsteen's been writing, you know, songs about the same people for, you know, 30 years. He just says, this is what those people are going through now. And this is my perspective on what those people are going through now. And here's how I, as a person at my age and in this world that we live in now, interpret those same things. And the idea of like revisiting those through your eyes and where you are now can be very instructive as well. And I think that's okay. It's like ACDC have been making the same song since forever. 
Snoop Dogg has been doing the same verse since forever. You I know, mean, but it's a good verse. But it's a great it's verse. Just a it's solid him. verse. It's him. It's know? like if you look at it from the point of an artist, it's like this is what he does. And so he there's only one Snoop Dogg, there's only one ACDC, and they're the best at what they do. Why do you think it is those people? This is interesting to me. Because if you watch Snoop or ACDC with a cynical eye, I can, and I can understand why you would, because the thing that they do have almost been you know, parodied. or It's like if you've uh, never seen an old movie. I, I knew someone who'd never seen Casablanca, and then when they watched Casablanca for the first time, they felt like they'd seen Casablanca because the movie Casablanca became a reference point or was parodied or was used or that you know, formula was yeah. used so many times that even though you've not seen the original... You understand every bit of the DNA regardless. And, you know, particularly in the hip-hop world, there are people, because it was a new and emerging art form, who established or became the kind of, you know, resounding voice of of different scenes and whatever and kind of came to... And so if you watch them with fresh eyes now, you might look at Snoop and go, well, it's all wave your hands in the air and, like, you know, smoking joints and for shizzle and girls and big chains (laughs) and, like, you know, big rings and, like, golden... But when you're in it, like, I've seen him a bunch of times over the years... And I have never not had anything other than a brilliant time. Like it's, you know, when he, you go, this is you. This is the, like the, yeah. this is the art or the party that you were here to create. Yeah, because I think that's testament to these artists being, they are that artist. They are that person. It's yeah. testament to their originality. It's like, like everything they created that everyone copied. It's like you could go buy a, you know, a Vincent van Gogh replica, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't hold the same kind of worth. Uh, we're going to jump all over the place here, but I want to talk about this time and place thing because I reckon it's really... I've been listening to uh, the uh, album that you just put out with Trials, AB yeah. Original. It's called Reclaim Australia. Is that yeah. all right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm not good with facts. So I was, <laughs> you know, I was hoping that that was all correct, but it's such a great album. I messaged you a couple of times to tell you that already. It's like, it's feels to me like something that I have, like even just as a consumer, outside like what it means for you and the industry and all those sort of things, purely just as like a consumer of Australian hip hop and a a person who in my point, in my like, you know, evolution of what I think about or want to understand about or want to see, you know, in my country, like this, it just feels like it's come along at the right time. And it's such a great album, but it feels very much, like the whole thing feels of time and place. Like, you know, it just feels of now. It feels a bit like it's all... The the first time I listened to it, and I, I you know, say this like, uh, well, I mean, you'll hear the whole thing and you can make up your own <laughs> mind about how I say it. But the first time through, I'm like, oh, maybe it's all a bit the same. Maybe it's all a bit, you know, the beats are a bit the same and the energy and the message and whatever. It's all like, you know... And it took me kind of like three, four, five listens to realise that within that overall kind of energy of the album that there are lots of nuances and beats and different things that are within there. But the thing that I noticed on first listen is that apart from that, there is also this giant overwhelming energy theme, anger, whatever else that is in there that is over it all. And it feels like a complete work of a time and place. Um, Is that a accurate or fair thing to say? hundred percent. We, Especially myself, um, Trials is a bit more forensic uh-huh. because he's such a great producer. Um, so he 
he he rewrote and recorded some things, and and uh, re-recorded some things to um to to make it better. But myself, and and also, but him doing that didn't um. It, it didn't take away from the album at all it it, it because the, the original concept for the for the record was it was going to be an ep uh-huh. it was going to be an ep that we created over a weekend and the idea was we write in the studio and we leave it and that was it and why did you want to do it like that originally what was the impetus like to because create that's in how, that like, way that's how our favorite rappers did it uh-huh. like that's how like who who, like who tupac yeah, right tupac did that all the time just wrote in the studio, record next song, and that's how we approached it. It was like let's get because we <laughs> there was something about it. It was like some some songs that we love may not be the most lyrical, you know, in depth, but there's a feeling, there's an emotion, there's and that's what we wanted to capture. It, it, I wanted the whole goal for this record was not to not to um create like a lyrical miracle record it Uh was to create a feeling right and what i wanted to capture in the album was the moment and capture the energy of us in the studio with our friends and then when we showed it to um to suffer and my manager sam and and our manager um dylan they were just like wow you got to make this an album and we're like, geez, okay, <laughs> how? Because, <laughs> like, you know, we just slogged it out over a weekend. Um, but we did, like, we, we, we took it back and we're like, all right, we need to, if we're going to make it an album, we need to show it a little bit more respect. Right. Because the original concept was an EP. And it's like, EP, you can kind of gloss over. It's like, this was just an idea that we right. had and we made it. But it's like, now that it's an album, we have to show it a, a different kind of respect. So we we cleaned a, a lot of the ideas up. We you know we sh- we shaved it down a little bit to make it a bit more concise and a bit more um, on the point. And then we we kept driving it because the original concept was it was like a an ode to all the stuff that we grew up on from Public Enemy, N.W.A., Westside Connection, Tupac, Death Row Records, and Grave Diggers, and all that stuff. Right, that and I think that it very successfully still is that yeah yeah but it's like it took on more of a concept with it being ab original and then reclaim australia it's like you know what this has never been said here right in rap you know no one's come out and said fuck this fuck that and fuck you and if you don't like it go fuck yourself well it just makes no sense in in our hip-hop scene in australia that Again, uh, I'm not an insider, and I, you know, this is just my personal perspective. Like in the music that I enjoy, yeah. so much great music comes out of the scene, and so much music that I, I think is in, a inclusive of like people of different nationalities and stories and experiences, yeah. but also like the actual scene itself. Like you yeah. know, it is a place where you're seeing you know, you know, you know, female people, female people, female <laughs> people. You know, Those guys, ones. female people. <laughs> Uh, but no, it, 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 yeah, you're seeing more female rappers. You're seeing, you know, uh, like you know, different coloured faces, different yeah. life experiences in there. But 
you know, hip hop at its best to me, to, again, like I'm like, I, I preface all these things because everybody knows I'm a heterosexual white 42 year old <laughs> Australian man. So, you know, I know what it's like to live on the streets, man, straight out of Hayfield. So I, um, but it, it's always been at its greatest for me in those moments of like protest, whether it's big protests, whether it's like, you know, really straight ahead, you know, fuck the police, you know, style protests, yeah. but also often just the stories of like your lives that I had never heard the stories of, you know, the first time you, you could hear those stories, all those life experiences came through hip hop. So it has always seemed to me as a consumer yeah. that this is, of course, the place like who other then, you know, Australia's first people, you know, have this story to tell that can be told in this way. So I always, it just, again, that's what I mean about, I feel like I had been waiting for this to happen because just as an art form, take away the broader story behind yeah. it, just as an art form, I felt like this moment was really overdue. Yeah, and we felt that. We, we were like, this is, I said to, to trials, um, this has never been said like this. Like, we have a whole lane to ourselves. And this felt like the time for me to stand up. Because, like, I, I wear a lot of, you know, the brunt of the backlash because of how vocal I am, uh -huh. you know, about all this, all this kind of stuff. You know, it's like, oh, Briggs is at it again. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 like, why won't he just shut up? But... You know, I said the trials. I said this is this is the time. Like, world worldwide, it was the time. It, it was so bananas. All you know, the wave things were were going with the alt right movement and stuff like that. It's like, man, it, like we're wasting our time if we don't start. Like, if we don't say something. When we have while we have this platform, because the reality is, is like we might not be hot next year. Right. People may like it happens to anybody. You know, it's like you can fall the fuck off, and then people just don't fuck with you, and no one hears your message. And my career, to be honest, has been mostly a story of success. But I understand <laughs> theoretically what you're saying. Yeah, theoretically, yeah. <laughs> you can, you, anyone can fall off. Theoretically, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, tick 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 tick. <laughs> but like. Like and and like I, I think that comes from as well, like growing up in in an indigenous community, watching people pass away and going to so many funerals and knowing that our time is like your mortality is very much thrust upon you as a kid because you're going to funerals when you're a kid and people, you know, when you're young, you think, oh, he was 50. Fuck, that's old. You know what I mean? And then, no, nah, that's not. <laughs> you grow up and you're like, holy shit, you know, my uncle passed away when he was 50 and so-and-so passed away when they were 40-something. And so, you know, I don't think there's any, there's any more people who, you know, who better realise that our time is super limited. So I was I was interested in that. There's a, a track on the album now. I, forgive me because we live in the iFight age of yeah. you're not necessarily stopping down, but <laughs> I'm going to guess maybe it's called Dead in a Minute. Yeah, yeah, is it yeah, called Dead yeah, in a Minute? Yeah. Um, so, which I think like is actually one of the more interesting tracks on the album because it deals very kind of in some ways directly with that insane yeah. statistic. And, and, and that's what it is. But at the same time, it's not 
like the most what if instantly recognizable as a political song on the album. That's because I, I was like, it was it was just the, it was like the com, it was my comedic take on right. it. Right. It was like, yeah, we could be dead at any minute. Let's write a song about us going out, like, right, in a ball of fucking flames. You know what I mean? Like the fact that we could die at any second. Like let's talk about us. You know. Robbing a bank, stealing a car, going out. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to go out, let's go out and make a mark. And I thought it was such a really uh, incredibly effective way of making that point. And I yeah. think it, like, it does. Well, it, it was really... different. It, it's right. like, it, 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 and I feel like it sinks in with the listener later on because I'm not just throwing facts in, at them. I'm not rapping, you know, we die 30 years before the next man. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. It's like, we do it in a in a comedic way that they remember the punches. Well, I mean, I think it, like I mean, I've talked about, spouted, you know, all those statistics, read them a million times. You know, as Hannah Gadsby, you know, famously said, I'm constantly aware of the fact that, like, in my position in society, it's very easy for me to care about all these things because I don't really have to care about any of them. <laughs> you know, so it's very easy for me to be an ally, you know, to these various things because I can dip my toe in and acknowledge how horrible it is, but it doesn't really di- directly affect me on a day-to-day. Yeah. So I read them and I'm horrified by them. And I, you know, talk on stage about Adam Goods and I spout the statistics and I, you know, tell people these things. But even I, there's a thing that it like struck me when I was listening to the song um, is I, I never really thought about how that might even affect people's mindsets because you attack it in a comedic way. Like mm. we, we might be, yeah, we might be dead tomorrow. So you know what? Fuck it. We're not going to obey the rules tonight. We're going to do all these things. But I think that, to me at least, made a broader point of going. And maybe this explains a little about you know maybe some of the things that you're thinking about the way people in my community yeah. behave might have to do with the mindset of going. Well, why the fuck would I care about this? Because yeah. I don't. I don't have to be here for another. I'm not going to be here for another twenty years, or I'm not going to have this life. And so yeah. it it's made me kind. Of, it pricked me a little bit in that way as well, where yeah. I was like, oh, this is. It's generational, you know what I mean? It's like there's so many variables to the idea of the mortality rate. I I, I spoke in in an interview and um, they asked me about the most um, confronting thing for um, that's on the record. And I said that song and I said that in a minute. And you could tell that they were taken back by that because it's such a like a party you know knocking kind of song it's like you know I, I can say fuck the police all day right but that's been said you know what i mean i'm not surprising anyone by saying fuck the police you know that's it's done it's old hat right <laughs> you know everyone knows fuck the police yeah. everyone knows that even the police do <laughs> fuck the police at their christmas party <laughs> yeah. now ironically that's where that that's where that is yeah. that's the thing it's like because that's been said and i said the most confronting thing is like what people might not realizes if you deconstruct it is dead in a minute because what we're talking about is us dying 20 30 years before the rest of australia so we have you know less time i, I think i said you know I've, I've got half the time so i'll do twice as much and that's part of you know why i'm uh, multidisciplinary you know what i mean I, I do comedian you know i'm a comedian i make rap music i write scripts well you do do a lot of things and i i did want to ask you about that so do you think that is where it, ca- it comes from like what why are you 
a like multifaceted like what you know why why do comedy and rap no why not just put your comedy in your rap or, the, or whatever you know i yeah. can imagine these are conversations that have been had a million times why do them all what what what's the fascination um i just like it all yeah i'm a I'm I'm a big sponge, man. I, I'm a nerd for things. Like if I like something, I get really in tune with it, and I study it. I've done, I've done the same with rap. I've done the same with comedy, and 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 writing and stuff like that. So for for me to do it all, it all being these three things, <laughs> but it's like once I really started gaining um, some you know, a little bit of success in comedy, I was able to, it, it felt like it freed up my music because I didn't have to put so much of my own personality uh-huh. into my music because, like, I was like, man, like, i got to be funny on this so people know that I'm funny on my album. i got to be serious so people take me seriously. You know, i got to have this and that. It's like, no, nah. but, like, now that I have comedy, it's like, no, nah, people know that I've, you know, I can tell a joke or, you know, be lighthearted and, and funny and stuff. But, like, now it, it feels like it opened up my music to be more free as just another avenue to, you know, release my point of view and my ideas. I like that. Uh, I often find in comedy a lot of people who start, uh, you know, they started in their friendship group as being the funny person, but over their career of being comedians, you know, if you know, if you saw them at a bar now with a group of people, you would never think they were the comedian <laughs> because all that stuff's channeled into their work now so they don't have to bring it out in yeah. every day to get it out. Yeah. And I can understand what you mean because if your one art form is one thing, like I, well, uh, my friend Charlie and I have this podcast called Tofop and we used to talk a lot about AFL football just because we talk a lot about AFL football yep. and we eventually started an AFL football podcast. <laughs> a, because we like talking about AFL football, but mostly to just stop talking about AFL football on the other <laughs> podcast where yeah. people didn't want us to talk about AFL football. So yeah. separating out the two does help a little bit yeah, as well. Yeah, and it's the same with, with having, you know, Briggs as a as an artist like separating myself as adam briggs from briggs the the rapper and then also the group ab original which is a lot more hardline you know world i feel like on ab original i can afford to come out and say fuck you go fuck yourself yeah you know and now it's like with the briggs record i can afford to say fuck you, go fuck yourself, and this is why. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am interested in the idea of once you decide we're going to do a fuck you, go fuck yourself album, which it isn't, by the way. I mean, it is, but it, yeah. it isn't. It's much more than that. It yeah. is certainly that. It that's is certainly that's that. the surface. Like, yeah. if, if it had a card at JB Hi-Fi, it could be in, under the fuck you, go fuck yourself section. Right. Yeah, def- <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely, if you like fuck you, go fuck yourself, you will also enjoy this <laughs> yeah, album. You'll find it'll get recommended underneath at the very least. <laughs> yeah. You may also you like. like. <laughs> <laughs> but, so once you decide that... Um, I think then there is a, you probably discovered that you have a broader responsibility because did you think now, oh my God, we are going to, if I'm going to become, you know, well, not become because you already had been obviously, but if we're really going to like nail our, you know, indigenous flag to the wall here and, you know, speak out on these things that we know will alienate 
some people you know we we live in a country where you know these are still controversial ideas to a lot of people and ideas even if people don't find them controversial that they certainly don't want to hear about and don't want to be troubled about yeah yeah, we had we had a lot of those comments especially like because trials is in the funk wars yeah which is a party kind of party yeah you know i mean hilarious hilariously politically incorrect party like yeah, yeah. great guys yeah, real great really funny great music yeah, all that sort of yeah. stuff but not but not this yeah, not so there you know a lot of dudes were telling trials hey man fucking stop with the politics and get back to you know because because i'd already kind of touched on it when i did chef life so right. I, like if you were in tune with my career i was you saw this coming yeah i each you know from my ep to my second album each step was was a, you know it was, I felt like it was a growth of maturity so AB original didn't really come out of left field for my fans but it did for for trials fans where a lot of a lot of dudes were like hey man stop being so political and you know uh here's a quick question that is really derailing this excellent conversation <laughs> but now that it's in my head I have to ask you uh what came first the idea that you guys would work together or the name AB original um I'd always said AB original. Okay, that like was like since, a yeah, that's an old school you think. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Well, that's what I mean. It's like it's sometimes the name can create the project. Yeah, I think yeah. like sometimes you just come up with this idea of gum. That's something. Yeah, I'd always I, used it yeah. like in like you know, when I was writing Snoop Dogg style rap, uh-huh. it was like it's the AB original. You know what I right. mean? It's like all oh, that yeah. like that. I mean it works. It's yeah, it's, well, it it's like, brilliant. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's why I asked. Yeah. I was like <laughs> Yeah, and that, that's how it started. Um all right, so you decide that you're going to do this. I, I would have thought at this point, do you do you look forward? Do you go, okay, here are some of the battles that I now may have to fight? Or do you are you the sort of person that you just put it out there and then see what happens and I'll deal with it as no it comes surprises. along? Yeah, like, okay. Because I've dealt with this stuff my whole life. Yeah. So, you know, the, the racism of, and, you know, just the, the paternalistic attitude of, hey, if you want to, if you want to be heard, you're going to speak properly. Right. You know what I mean? Like, no one told Raising Ass the Machine that. Or maybe they did, but I didn't hear about it. Well, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I bet they did. They yeah. tell everybody that. That's the first yeah. thing they go to you with every time. You know, when any type of you know, revolution, big or small, comes along, the first thing yeah. they try to do is going, well, you're not addressing us in the right manner or you're not mm. saying it in the right way or you're using the wrong words or this, yeah. the, the fact that you use this particular word that we don't like, you know, disavows your opinion or your experience, yeah. which, well, that's always what they've said. A, a, an interviewer actually told me, um, a reporter, I forget where, where he's from, he said, my mum can't listen to this. Well, I mean, she can, firstly, unless <laughs> she's deaf. Was he just telling you he had a deaf mum? I think that's what he was saying. My mum's really deaf. I'm sorry to bring this up. I think the album's great. It's got a great message, but my mum my is mom, deaf. My mum can't hear. Sorry, I phrased that completely wrong. <laughs> but like, She would love to listen to it, is what I was saying. But unfortunately, she is uh, clinically deaf. In, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have an extra layout? Yeah, do you have it in Braille? Is there a Braille version <laughs> of this album? So, it, yeah, this guy said he, his, his mother can't... And, and I responded to him was, it's not for your mum. No. Dear God, it's not. Your, your mother had the, she had Beatlemania. She had everything. You know what I mean? She had heaps of stuff. Like one of the. But she had like Elvis swing his hips yeah. or whatever the version of this she was. so that... much. As I said, I said to him flat out, I said, your, your mother had everything. Your mother had so right. much. This isn't for her. 
I don't care. You know, well, this is for anyone who wants it. But we made this in particularly for my nephews and my nieces and my little cousins. Right. When when the album got released and I got Snapchats from all my cousins and my nieces and nephews and stuff, and they're playing it at parties and just loving it, that was goal achieved for me because that's what I wanted to do because we never had that. Right. We never had AB original when we were kids. I mean, did Vanilla Ice not speak to you? <laughs> He he spoke to us, but we weren't really listening. Right? No, no, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a I'm pretty white, and he didn't even speak to me, so I can't imagine. He was... But like, you know, I, I think it was like you know we 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 had NWA and we had Public Enemy, and that yeah. was great. But we we didn't have anything that was specifically for us. No. And the things that were specifically for us were for an older generation, like Archie Roach, No Fixed Address, Yothi Indy, were for an older right demographic. So when we set out to make the album for the 12 and 13-year-old us, that was really exciting for us because that's what we were craving when but, we were kids. But I also think one of the interesting things about the album is that, that there is a, a an intro, a, like a, a, a sort of, I don't know what you call, what do you call it on the album? A What's forward. it called? A forward. Uh, where Archie Roach uh, is interviewed and there's some audio of him speaking about you know the album. And yeah. it's such a... Lovely piece of. Uh, I don't know how, how. How did you? Do you mind if I ask how you did it? Like, was he just asked, or was it like I, how? Um, how it was? I interviewed him for about an hour, or right? Because so. the way that it, the music and the way that he's speaking, he's not scripted and he's not rapping. He's no. not like. But there is a kind of poetry and. Uh, that's just how he talks. But, but that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, and what it does is because obviously, you know, it seems like it was very important to you guys to have, you know, that and his blessing and whatever. But you say it's for your nieces. I would say, and I think you can hear in his voice in this, that it is as much for him as it is for them or people of his generation. Because when he talks about what they did and the way that they try to do things, I think to then see, you know, people who are trying to do that in their way now, yeah. that's the legacy you want to leave. And if yeah. you looked around and you weren't seeing that, I think that that would, yeah. you know, so I think but that like it's... Ex- he, like a, a, an artist like Archie, his, long, his longevity and his career is really inspiring to Indigenous artists like myself and Charles and, and everyone else. Because, and, and he's like, like... I don't think anyone would have picked Archie to be a fan of this record. You right. know what I mean? But and like and even dudes like Paul Kelly, you know, who you know, we collaborated with and and stuff who are fans of this record because they see the honesty and that's like one of the one of the biggest themes of this album is the honesty and the fact that, you know, honesty doesn't go out of fashion. The you know, the truth has so much longevity. Well, you, you speak about Paul Kelly, and I mean, I mentioned Springsteen earlier, and obviously they don't make the same style of music, but I think they are people of the same world in that, like, you know, they're telling these stories of people that they clearly admire, but often the people they're telling the stories about are flawed people. You know, yeah. they're not perfect people, but they're, you know, painted through loving eyes. And, you know, you, and I watched just today 
you with Paul Kelly uh, on uh, the Triple J, uh, what do they call it? Um, um, like a version. Like a version, yeah. Like a version. And... Uh, it, I mean, it's amazing, firstly, for a lot of reasons. Like, I think, firstly, you just remember how cool... I mean, I'm an unashamed Paul Kelly fan and people have heard yeah. me talk about it a million times <laughs> and he'll be a dream guest for the podcast. Paul, come and do the podcast. But um, uh, he he still fits in, which is the first thing that it struck me. Like, yeah. you know, he's like Leonard Cohen. He's like whoever. You're like, you, you look at him and you... Like Archie Roach, you know, you yeah. just go, yeah. Like, he's not out of a place here. No. This is an artist that transcends the fact that, you know, he's whatever age that he is. He can still come in with, like, the, you know, kind of angriest, most political kind of, you know, album of the time and step into the studio with those dudes and be right in the middle of making something great together because yeah. he's Paul Kelly. Because there's no facade. So, he, he is who he is. So I want to talk about this. This is what I wanted to ask you about, um, is the idea of, so when they ask you to do this, for people who are listening internationally and stuff, um, uh, I, I firstly look it up. Uh, so uh, Triple J, like a version, if you just type in, I guess, dumb things or yeah, dumb you guys and Paul Kelly or whatever, it'll, it'll work it out and I'll post it and whatever when we put up the podcast. But um, when you are offered an opportunity like that by the radio station, how does that then turn into you guys doing dumb things with Paul Kelly? Like how does that come about? Well, when you um, we were going to have an opportunity to do something cool. It's like anytime you get an opportunity like that, especially when you're us and you feel like it's weird. It's like you feel a sense of responsibility to make a moment. You know what I mean? Like now, f uh, firstly, I would say I think hip hop has, and maybe it lends itself to the form. You know how like, yeah. you know, Davey Warner's like, you know, a great <laughs> test batsman, but he's, you know, really lends himself to the one day format. Like, I think that hip hop probably lends itself to the idea of the Triple J like a version, which is you get a band to cover another artist's work and yeah. what hip hop artists brought to that, you know, format that wasn't being done by, you know, the other artists necessarily was you can extend it. So yeah. you can do, you know, use like the cover to then, you know, create a, you know, unique work of your own. And I actually think that, you know, I'm a fan of Australian hip hop, but I think particularly in that format, you saw it kind of get revolutionized a little bit yeah. by the hip hop influence there. Yeah, because we do it all the time. Right. Like we, we flip a song and, and, and make it our own every single time. But when it's come to the table, I had the idea and I, I said to the trials, I said, why don't we flip dumb things and rap about all the dumb shit Australia does? <laughs> right and like because it's in tune with with what we're doing at the moment it's funny and i had a relationship like you know me and paul are mates so i thought is it cheating if we get him involved i'm like oh, who gives a fuck right. <laughs> 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 it's like we're just gonna you know what i mean it's like a few people have said this isn't a cover it's like yeah right. fuck off <laughs> whatever I mean, listen to it. Yeah, but like, whatever, mate. Um, it's not a technical competition. I hit They're not judging up. us yeah, at the yeah, end. It's yeah. like, well, well, technically, you guys <laughs> didn't even cover the song. Really oh, Paul, we won't be Paul covered his own song. And, oh yeah, imagine <laughs> if Triple J were like, well, to be honest, we think the integrity of the ABC is this is not really technically a cover. We've got our expert in. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll just go over to cover cam. I think you can see here that technically Paul is the one singing his own song. Which we'll go is to the KFC, technically... <laughs> KFC cover, <laughs> cover umpire. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, like, it feels, it felt like everything around AB Original at this point was about making a statement and making a moment. Uh-huh. It's like if we if, if we wasted this and floundered and whatever, and like we just went in and did Public Enemy or you know just rapped, it wouldn't be the same. It's like we needed to do something, and that was going to cross you know cross a lot of demographics, a lot of generations, and like ultimately be a great song, which is you know which is what Trials is is great at. It's like I'm I'm good at ideas and trials is good at making them come to life. Right. <laughs> and um good combo. Yeah. And and like, you know, he he nailed it. We had we had some other guys come in and play live keys and you know, it it worked so it, it was also serendipitous because Dan Sultan was in town that day right. and Paul Kelly was in town that day as well. So it was all working out perfectly. We had like I think I I wrote I wrote my verse like the night before it um and went in and we and we you know we did it and I feel like it it was just another one of those those moments where it's like you know like the start of the AB original record whereas it Archie doesn't sound out of place it's like Paul Kelly sounds right at home with us because we're all there for the same reason and we all believe in the same thing and we're all moving in the same direction. We're all artists. We have a different brush stroke, but we're all painting the same goal. You know what I mean? We're all painting the same picture to head towards the, you know, the, ultimate, the ultimate goal of you know, success for everyone. So you mentioned Dan Sultan again. Yep. Like to have him on the podcast. This is a good ideas factory. This one I'm yeah, coming I'm, up with I'm a good list. You, I'm a good yeah. ideas no, guy. this is good. You're right. <laughs> now I need just a good execution guy. So I'm going to have to get trials get on trials as well. In the new <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, one of the more provocative uh, uh, tracks on the album, I think, at least to uh, you know, modern day white Australia, or you know, modern day Australia, whatever you know the fuck it is. However, <laughs> however the fuck we explain it, whatever it you is, know what it is. Uh, so uh, last year in my stand-up show, I had a like a ten-minute piece about it, you know my because one of the things that always bothers me is this idea when, when it's reported about the fact that January twenty-six uh, is a troublesome day. The the thing that people say is that it's like, you know, it's a troublesome day for members of the Indigenous community. And it always annoys me. And in fact, one time, like we tried, we wrote something like that in a Gruen script. And I was like, we're not saying that because I, I want to put on the record that I am also troubled by it, as is a whole bunch of other people yeah. who are not Indigenous. Like in that same way, as you don't have to be of the group. I'm not a gay person and I don't want to get married. So <laughs> literally marriage equality is something I have in neither interest in either of those two things and yet i believe that you know gay people should be able to get married they should be able to be as miserable as everyone else. right exactly make your own choices people is my point (laughs) you're an adult it's okay you know then we can cash in on gay divorce it'd be great so i had a piece in the show where i talked about and tried to execute it in a way that my aim with the piece was can i make a room full of strangers and i would tell them this at the start i said i'm going to talk about why we need to change australia day and instead of me going to the the 
the direct reason, the, which we were obviously going to yeah. get to, that's why I have <laughs> you here to speak to that, but um, is I wanted to say, can I do this in a way that just convinces people even the bullshit arguments they have around it mm. are silly? And I went back and I ended up investigating Australia Day and, of course, really technically Australia Day should be, not, like if, if you're white Australia version, it should be 1901 because that's Federation Day and that's normally what. But we didn't want it on uh, January the 1st. This is true because <laughs> it's New Year's Day yep. and we're Australians. We're and already we, wrecked. Yeah, and we, it's already <laughs> we a day off. Right. So we have it added on January 26th. But the truth is, until 20-odd years ago, we didn't even have it on January 26th. We yeah. had it on whichever Monday was closest to January 26th. So that we could have a long weekend so even if you were to argue any of the other arguments we have no like long term we don't recreate anything on that day we don't like you know have any particular connection to that day there is anything that is celebrated and we we didn't until like 25 years ago even celebrate it every year on that day so the idea that like this is even and so my thing was a like and then you know obviously a bit more so you're a serious stuff but my thing was a pretty fun Look at it. Yeah. And even me, a white guy talking about it in a fun way, it's such a provocative topic for some for some people in Australia in a way that I truly try to understand but can't understand. And so to confront that so head on. Yeah. And I think, you know, you guys probably maybe didn't think about this. I don't know if you thought about this. And even if you did think about it, it may not be the sort of thing that you're comfortable about saying out loud on air. But it occurred to me this year because the, the radio station that I used to work for, Triple J, which I have a lot of great things to say about Triple J, so I don't want anyone to like in any way, you know, think that this is me having a go at Triple J. But there was a real talk this year that they would move their countdown, the hottest one hundred, from January twenty sixth, and the thought had never occurred to me. And yet, the minute it like it was said out loud, yeah. I could not stop thinking that. Like, I, I just need it to happen now because I had sat at home, I would have said, for about the last four or five years because my approach to Australia Day had been that I wouldn't celebrate it because I understood, you know, how problematic it was. But the truth was that I thought in the way that I wanted to hope change ideas and debates that the day to say that out loud and make a spectacle of myself was not that day. I'd rather, you know, write a routine about it for my show and talk about it in a different way. So what I tended to do on those days would sit at home by myself and listen to the Triple J Hottest 100. And I, it had never really occurred to me why I wasn't quite enjoying it as much as I wanted to be enjoying it yeah. until someone just said it out loud. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is why. Yeah. Like, I'm staying home. I'm not celebrating on this day, yet I'm listening to this thing that is essentially a celebration, the thing that I was lucky enough to five years count down the top 20 in, the thing that's been an integral part of my life, a thing that I love as both a consumer and a person who was involved in it, you know, when we first like rang you know, Hilltop Hoods to tell them they made the you know, top 10 of the Triple J Hottest 100, like yeah. I remember how excited they were, how excited we were, like the whole thing. You know, These are pivotal moments in my life. Yeah. And I was really sad they didn't change it because I thought it would have been a great thing for them to have changed it this year. I think they will. I think it's, I mean, I think now that it's been said that they will and I think maybe it was the just too... Still- yeah. But yeah. was there, and again, so now I've said all that yeah. bullshit... Was there any thought in your mind too of going, well, I mean, you know, like we release, if we release a good song, you know, it, it will probably get in the Triple J Hottest 100. And so this song is going to get played to Triple J's biggest audience on a day where like this is the very thing that we're trying to talk about. Like, yeah, well, I was, 
I actually made it into the hottest 100. Yeah. A year or two yeah, ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago. And I didn't. I wasn't listening. I don't listen. I can't listen to it. Because of the day. Because of the day. Yeah. It, because of like I want to remove myself just from celebration. It's like even if it's a nice day outside, it's like pull the shutters. Right. Close the blinds. You know what I mean? It's like it's um. It w- I just can't bring myself to celebrate anything on that day. Right. And so even when I got in, I found out maybe via text or something from Saf or or Twitter or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, and um, yeah, like I wasn't, and I, I think that's a big surprise to a lot of people because that they, they don't think about that. Like, I I was talking to um, Solo from Horror Show. Nick is, you know, he's a lovely dude. Also, uh, a guy that I would like on the podcast. So we're doing very well. You are an ideas factor. <laughs> then to get a whiteboard. Nah, we've already actually talked about that one. That one's that one's in the works. And um, and and he and he said he felt like maybe um, changing the hottest one hundred may have been um, just placating to, you know, it's superficial. Right. And I said, well, and I and I said to him, I said, well, it's about being inclusive. Um, of all the indigenous artists who you know I said because I I, I didn't listen I don't right. I can't listen to it and like you get to, you could tell like he's he's a smart dude and he took it on board straight away right because he, he understands that he was probably that kid who grew up listening to whatever and thought the first time you get in the hottest 100 might be something that you'd be excited to like the first time you hear your song on the radio or the first yeah, time yeah. those sort of things they're pivotal moments in your artistic life they might yeah. not be the reason you do it or they might not even be that big a deal, but you shouldn't be robbed yeah. from them just because... Of course. Well, because for reasons I still can't quite understand. Yeah, and so, like, um, you know, there was a conversation about changing it and, and it, it all got leaked because I guess they were talking to however many people and yeah. it all blew up and people lost their minds. And it's because people lose their minds as soon as you challenge the idea of the Australian way, in quotation marks, people lose their minds it's a it's the dichotomy of power it's the power shift it's like they white australia likes to own it all they, they like to own everything and they don't like to acknowledge the wrong what, what uh, why do you think that is because here's the thing i'm not some like you know my parents are dairy farmers and their parents you know farmers built the road i lived on one from where ricky muir you know from the motoring enthusiast yep. party is and <laughs> everyone mocked him for being some country bumpkin or whatever i am from the place same place that has 350 people that ricky muir is we're similarish ages so like we could be the the same person you're from shep right yep shepherd and, and so like similar sort of country upbringings yeah. there's no particular reason for me to have an understanding of this or yep. like a other than I don't quite understand what it is that I would lose. That's the bit I don't get. What do you, what do these people in your experience feel like they have to lose? Because to me, well, we're not thing. saying we can't have an, like yeah. this is, we're not saying we can't have an Australia day. Like yeah. some people act like we've said, Oh, and also we're taking away your day off. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not going to take away your day off. Yeah, no. It'll be another day and they can have the hottest 100 on that day. We can still have the hottest 100 on Australia Day. All we're saying is that could be a different day. Yeah. Like we're not, right? Yeah, so what, well, is, what is there to lose? I think, I, I, I honestly think it's a reflection of 
of Australia's relationship with its indigenous people. Like the kind of the kind of backlash that I receive uh-huh. to know my place. And, you know, people people telling me, you know, how the the hilltop hoods made me or whatever. You know what I mean? To to tell me to to get back, you know, it's that paternalistic idea of pat you on the head no you're, well, you're speaking i mean you term. should declare that part of your career terra nullius <laughs> and then just say well i mean we don't really we don't really acknowledge that history i'm sorry yeah. no 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 no. my yeah, career no. started no, we started here with chef life <laughs> yeah no, no i yeah. don't know about the rest of <laughs> and I, I like I, I think that's that's you know that's a great question is what do they have to lose right. when they have everything but that's the bit I don't get. So, I mean, there's so much of it I don't get. Mm. But, but I, when I look at my country, you know, I mean, I'm a white heterosexual man. It's my country more than it's anybody's country. You know? Yeah, you're living like, it up. I mean, right? <laughs> like, but when I look at that country, it, for me, it would only be richer if, you know, we were a country that had a great, relationship with i mean we're looking at a civilization that is one of the world's if not the world's you know it's the oldest civilization in the world in the world so imagine you have that imagine, like imagine uh, you already have this country that is so good yeah like do you mean like australia is so good despite the fact that we can't get anyone fucking competent to run the joint <laughs> and despite the fact that we're a bunch of fucking idiots we every year on every top five list of everything they do apart from fucking carbon pollution we fucking stumble we Stephen bradbury our way into the top fucking five every year we're so rich part of this great wealth of our country comes from the fact that a land was stolen from a people that was it just dig a hole just dig yeah. a hole there's something valuable down yeah, there's there. Gold there there's just gold there right run into wealth this the idea that we have been so successful that we avoided the global financial crisis that we have such a high standard of living partly at least at yeah. the very least you've got to acknowledge comes from that the idea of even paying a like a pittance the idea of going but what about if we could like take all that and embrace it and fix it and envelop it and make it part of what we are. I mean, everything that it is. Well, I love the game of AFL football, and it's why the Adam Good thing hurt me so much because <laughs> you love drug cheats. And <laughs> it's why the game of, like, it's why the Adam Good thing killed me because I love AFL football, and I would make the argument that there is probably no other industry, maybe rugby league, but I would say even <laughs> AFL external to it, where an indigenous person. Like, A, that, that many, that higher percentage of Indigenous people can earn such great money, like, you know, really genuinely be kind of, you know, p- part of the community, have great success, get into leadership roles, like, be the best player in the league, be the, like, yeah. best player. You know, like, I mean, there's rare other jobs where you can talk, like, yeah, where as a in- young Indigenous person, you have that opportunity of going, like, you go, oh, well, you know, go into law because, you know, all the best lawyers are Indigenous, <laughs> you know. You know, like, they you should be-, be. Yeah, you better go on the TV because we know the Australian <laughs> Aboriginal people run showbiz. So. <laughs> but, but there is that sort of... So I think when it, when it hit in the AFL for me, it hurt even more than... Because I was like, oh, fuck, if we can't get it right here, yeah. if you can't, like, look at someone like Adam Goods as someone that that we should have nothing but like admiration and listen to. And so when that went on, did you have a reaction to the Adam Good thing? What was your, yeah, I said, I, I said, um, I actually rang up, I rang up triple J hack and was talking to some lib Nat 
senator who who had um, told me that he was at a table full of people the other night and not many of them cared for Adam Goods. And I said, yeah, well, were they white or were they black? And he choked on his microphone. But... <laughs> 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 and, um, and, I, and I said a, a simple question. Like, he said... Um, that the booing wasn't racist, right? And I and I said to him, "Well, how can you reconcile booing Adam Goods, even if you're not booing him from a from a, a place of you know racial discrimination, if you know the person two right. seats away from you is booing him for you know to be." You know, derogatory. No matter how much you need to go to the toilet, don't put your hand up at a Nazi rally. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're giving cover to the other people who. Yeah, I I mean, I talked about. How do you reconcile that with yourself to know that uh, if I'm if I start booing him, like these other guys are booing him because he's racist. Right, I'm booing him. I'm not because he ducked for that free kick. Yeah, that's why I'm booing him. It's like, yeah, it's like, come on, dude. You know, like, how do you reconcile that with yourself? And they had no answer. Well, that's the other thing is, like, I always said the booers should be, the booers who boo for the game should be mad at the booers who boo for racism because they have actually turned you into being a racist. Like, you know, it's like the people who had Southern Cross tattoos before that became the sign that you were a cockhead. Yeah. It's not their fault. They had a nice tattoo because they loved where they were from and then some racists made it a terrible tattoo. Now they're spewing. (laughs) Now they're spewing. Uh... I don't think that I need to ask you why the date change is important. I mean, I think that I, most yeah. of the people who listen to this podcast hopefully understand that. Um, what I, I noticed that the Fremantle Council um, have changed. They well have attempted to change. I think the date of their like citizenship yeah, tried, zone to yeah. the 28th and the. And the government really kind of came down hard on them and, you know, ab- about it, which, again, to me, you know, if we're celebrating something about living, you know, in this, you know, pot- you know this yeah. hypothetical democracy that we have, like the idea of, you know, that we shouldn't be celebrating people who are trying to change. But I, why do you think there is such a great fear to change the, the day? Like, why? I mean, I just... I mean, I know I'm trying to ask you to explain something that you don't yeah, need to explain, but so- what do you think it is? I honestly think, like, from from my experience, man, it just looks like, and it feels like, white people not wanting to share, as usual. And and why do we and why do we not want to share? Because do you think? because you never have. <laughs> it's like it's part of your makeup to not share. I mean, I get it why we didn't originally. Yeah. Because that was that was their jam. That was what they <laughs> did. You know what I mean? Like as I always say, it wasn't actually the Australians who did it. it you know, we don't have to feel sorry about that one. That was British, hundred <laughs> percent British people. Do you know what I mean? Like no Australians on that boat. You know, but the shit since then. Yeah. You know, like I mean, I, I have no problem in some ways with some people saying, "Well, that wasn't us. It wasn't." But there's been a heap of shit in the last 20 years or five years or 20 yeah. months or six well, weeks like or whatever you, that, you know. You have to acknowledge. Right. You, you, like, that wasn't you, but you have to acknowledge you, you prospered from dispossession. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's, it's, you know, it's like all these buildings that earn X amount of money every year off rent. It's like all, all these all this trading you do and all this shit you rip out of the earth, you know what I mean? That 
you didn't pay anything for. You massacred for it. So, you know, it's it is it's a it's a it's it's a part of acknowledgement to understand that, you know, you may not that may not have been you you, or even your grandfather. But what you have to acknowledge is you prosper from it. Right. I mean, absolutely. And a lot of people don't understand that. It's like that. It, it's about empathy and understanding. I mean, I, I do think, I think the way that people, I mean, I think the thing that people find problematic in trying to break this down, because I think about this all the time, you know, about the idea of privilege and why people react so harshly to the idea of being told that they have it or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I only have my experience, so it's very hard for me to talk from the perspective of the person who's been disadvantaged. So I'm trying to understand from the perspective of the person who has been advantaged. And I think the thing that it immediately says to someone is like what they hear is you didn't work hard. You don't deserve what you have. And that's That's what they hear. To the the Australian psyche and to the the psyche of a white male, that is horrendous. That's That's a horrendous blow to say you're lazy. Right. You know, but that's not what it is. But that's not what you're saying, is no, it? No, no, you're no, saying no, no. that. Well, like, I, I, well I, you I, say I, what I, you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Here's I, what you're saying. I'm going to white explain yeah, yeah. and mansplain. I, 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 I put it like this to to a friend of mine one time. Like he was trying to understand it. He's like, I don't get it, man. Like, you know, me and you are mates, and you know, we're you know we're the same. I said, yeah, but. It's called Chris. <laughs> I said, like, like when, when I wake up, you know, at my house and you wake up at your house, before we even get out of bed, I'm more likely to be arrested. I'm more likely to wake up with a mental illness. I'm more likely to not wake up at all. You know what I mean? You don't face those obstacles before you even get out of bed. Right. And I mean, the... The things you don't notice, I mean, this is the thing about like, you know, privilege, particularly not like, you know, Donald Trump style privilege, like just like that tailwind, you know, if you want to think about it like that or always walking slightly downhill or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that you haven't had to work hard for all those things. It just means that someone else is in a circumstance where they have had to work harder because there have been more obstacles passed in their way no one's ever pulled me over in an airport because how my name sounds or the color of my skin nobody's followed me around a shop because yeah. i look suspicious i can drink in a park by myself or with <laughs> yeah. friends yeah and no what, one's what people call those picnics right <laughs> you guys call those picnics but I, but do you know what i mean like yeah. that cultural sort they're of called parkies and I mean, as a man, you know, you then like, you know, if you try want to have an understanding of what women are doing, you know, that mm. idea of I've never had to walk to my car with my keys in my hand or be on the phone to a friend or worry that the person, you know, I mean, the, yeah, there are exactly. a range of things that you didn't create. And I'm not responsible for any of those things. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm not the guy who's going to attack you. I'm not the person who kept you down. I'm not the person who you know, said that you couldn't get that job. But I may have been the person who benefited from the fact that none yeah. of those obstacles were yeah, in my it, way. It, it's about... It's really about acknowledgement and understanding that because that's the first, that those are the steps towards fixing the issues. Because well, so it, it's like you, if you have a, a crack in your windscreen or whatever, you, you know, you either acknowledge it or you let it ride until it cracks so far until you have to replace it. Do you think that there is a, 
school of thought and I, I i think this sometimes with the climate where people think it's too far broken to fix like do you think and i mean i hope this is not the case but yeah. it sometimes occurs to me that with australia's you know i mean we have a closing the gap report every fucking year that doesn't yeah. seem to be closing many <laughs> gaps you right. know and you Sponsored know by Sally's. you you see these um explorations of you know indigenous australia both in the media like even the ones that seem to be like you know trying to help you know sometimes don't feel like they're helping that much or mm. they're kind of i mean it sometimes i think it feels to people like this is a problem that can't be fixed and that's why they're, they're pretending it's not a problem i don't know like it feels yeah, like I'm, it's going to take so much hard work to kind of get this right that we're not going to do any of the hard work that's yeah, necessary i'm not horribly optimistic for a lot of things uh-huh I'm, I'm not horribly optimistic for the human race sure but it doesn't mean you stop Right, you know, it doesn't mean you quit. If, if I quit every time my job sucked, I wouldn't be here in LA right now. I mean, I thought you were about to say he had still doing this interview. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is not if technically I quit every time the interview yeah, sucked. Not to, not technically a job, mate. You're not getting paid. You got one glass of water <laughs> one, and just yeah, keep, and keep the rest yeah, of that I'm, water. I'm savoring this. I'm savoring this, I'm savoring exactly. this water. Yeah. No, but I I feel like. Uh, I feel like it's not worth quitting on. Mm. That's why I do the things I do because I have a responsibility to my community to try since I've since my success is a reflection of my community. That's the way I view it. So it's my responsibility to give back to them and try. And you know, whether that's futile or not is is beside the point because it's about trying to make things better and easier because like i might not be the dude who changes the world but i might be the dude who sparks that for my community you know what i mean i um went and did uh i was i was really conflicted about this i have a great friend called jared mckenna who uh uh is a, a Christian, he, he, but he works a lot with the refugees and he's a great bloke. And I've had him on this podcast before. And even though we believe in pretty diametrically ideas about the, how the world works, we have similar ideas about how the world could work, you know. Yeah. And he's a guy I really trust. And he took me on a prison visit uh, when I was in Western Australia out to a, a big prison that they have there. And one of the programs they're doing is like a comedy program. So, like, it was a bit theatre sportsy, really, but like, yeah. you know, the it's part of trying to get people, you know, to kind of deal with, but they said they have a big indigenous, it's a Western Australian prison. They have yeah. a big indigenous population. Fastest growing prison population in Western Australia is females, black females. And they said they couldn't get people involved because uh, there was some sort of, I don't know, reticence in performing or, you know, performing mm. in that way. Like, do you, like, were you always a performer? Like, is culturally part of you being a performer? Or is, what is the kind of, I mean, because I didn't get much more information yeah. than that. So I'm no, not sure a, what th that. There's a massive thing around shame. Right. And putting yourself out and being embarrassed. Okay. And, yeah. and that's a, it's about, uh, like, I think that stems from, um, you know, standing out too much and receiving, you know, the reaction that you would receive 60 years ago, which may have been a flogging. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, so there's a kind of don't make, don't, draw yeah, attention don't, to yourself. Yeah, don't draw attention to yourself because, you know, 
and then I mean, even be, that, because even like, like a thing yeah. like that to be so culturally ingrained with you, when you're looking at two people who are going out for a job or whatever, yeah. you know, like, I mean, regardless of the institutional racism that already has stepped in your way before you get to that point, if you have been culturally ingrained of like, don't show off, keep your head down, don't, you yeah, know. The, the, uh, you know, a, a lot of kids' self-esteem has been shot. Right. And that's from, you know, generational racism as well and institutional and like when i used to do when i still do when i do workshops you know people would ask me it's like oh is there any stars you know who's doing this you know they're very excited i'm like man this is about taking a kid and saying you know he's not a rapper but today he rapped right it's like imagine all the things you can do you know what i mean right. like all the things you can do now it's like you do you weren't a rapper before today and you just did a rap song i'm not a lot of people can say that i said you know there's there's like it's about building that self-esteem right it's not about creating rap stars it's about building self-esteem so this kid can stand up and and you know apply for the you know the job right. at the servo because no one's that. ever taught him that he can do something yeah for you know because it's been, you know, a, a culturally ingrained thing. And it's also this thing of of being, you know, ac- accepting mediocrity as quotations, the black way. Uh-huh. And just being happy with what you got. And understanding and and telling kids it's okay to want more. It's, that- o- it's okay to want things better for yourself. It's not greedy. It's not greedy to want more. You know what I mean? To want things more for yourself. It, it's like you you feel the real... Like I, I had this like up until, you know, a few years ago. I had a real... I had a real... Um, like it was just really heavy on my heart because my cousins were dying. People have passed away who were, you know, my age. And, um, you know, I, I actually felt guilty when I seen their mums because I was out doing, traveling the world and doing great things and they just buried their son and I felt bad because, you know, but so, you know, I tried to turn that around to be about, no, my success is going to be the success of my community. Um, my, the reflection of, of my community is going to be in me. You know, I, I have to give back. And, you know, this whole idea of, of people not wanting to stand up and not wanting to um, perform, you know, especially in my community, in my tribe, that got broken down by, by you know, like Tony Briggs, who um, who's an actor and he had my cousin, he wrote Sapphires and done theatre and my other cousins who played, who played footy and stuff like that, like different levels of performance, but I... I lost the fear of um, putting myself out there. I was like, you know, and I had a strong family and a strong community who, um, when I, you know, even when I didn't succeed, you know, which is all subjective, they were still there. Is there, has has there been a backlash within the community that comes with that as well? I mean, within any community, there's going to be an element of of some kind that doesn't want to, you know, see you succeed, you know. Yeah, I, I think that's that's just the nature of people. Yeah. You know, someone someone's always going to be jealous. But I love them. 
You know what I mean? Like that's why I, I can't. I'm not going to be mad back. I've got too much to be happy about. It's okay, like, that's that's interesting to me. I want to. Uh, do you have? Uh, do you have to rush off? Do no. we have time? Okay. No, you know what? Let's have a little pause because <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom if we're going to talk <laughs> a little bit more. So I'm, we'll have a pause and then we'll come back. To my brothers down there in Dundale Dealing with that disaster That them guards are there and not jail Thinking we getting that welfare, huh? Thinking we getting that healthcare, huh? Think about if it was your son Now think about sending some help, damn, yeah What's dumber than that, mate? What's dumber than dressing up blackface? What's dumber than doing they know when it hurts And don't even work to make that change, let's go! In the middle, in the middle In the middle of a dream I lost my shit, Hang on, that's no, still going. That's good. That's Best good news. Um, you actually said that at the start of the podcast, um, and it might be as good a way to start uh, now, which is you had two philosophies and we only really got to one. Did we cover off the other one or was there another one? You said you had two at the start. I don't want people getting to the end of the episode okay. and saying he said he had two and then you only heard one. And yeah, the, the other one was like, I, I took it from Star Wars. Okay, actually, all right. Um, Yoda says it. Um, do or do not, there is no try. Right. And that was always my, like, that's why I'm here in right. LA doing these crazy things, meeting these people and doing all these, doing all the things that I, I, I always take a chance on myself. I, I never have a problem with betting on myself because I feel like it'll pay off. Even if it only pays off, like, even if I only get a place, right. <laughs> like that's still... Where like, where does that come from though? Because we have, we obviously talked about that idea of like you know shame and like you know generations raised without you know self belief yeah. and those sort of things. So if I'm you know someone from the you know other, I, I want to make the other argument. I'm Andrew Bolt or David Oldfield or whatever, <laughs> and I point at you and I go, well, you know, Adam did it, Briggs did it. Yeah. Why can't everybody else be like you? What what? What is it about you that has like meant that I'm you a, have no? I'm a, I'm a unique fucking snowflake, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I would have said, but I just wanted to know if that's what you no, thought as I, well. I feel like, I feel like, oh, oh, you know, luck is where being ready and opportunity meet. Uh-huh. And you know, you don't hear about all the times that I, you know, slept through dinner and didn't eat and you know wasn't paying rent and was basically homeless and you know whatever it, because i don't like to focus on it i like to focus on the next thing uh-huh. i you know i don't like that part of the story because to me that's boring it's like because i don't want to harp on about how much i didn't have right. because it's it's trash because so many more people had way less than me you know what i mean i'm harping on about if I was to go on and on about how how broke I was and trying to make it in music and comedy, whatever, you know, everyone's heard that story. That's trash. 
like let's focus on you know the next thing it's like i'm i'm always like even now that i'm over here i'm writing scripts and i'm and i'm making music it's always like i'm already thinking about the next briggs record i'm already thinking about the next script i'm writing and i'm already thinking about the next ab original record i'm always on to the next thing because i think that <laughs> that it's a reflection of you know the fact that time no, no one waits it's a really disposable industry as well these days it's like people take it take it listen to it throw it away where's the next thing you know what i mean so i just try to stay on the cusp but i feel like it keeps me creative and like you know it's either do or do not if i waste time trying you know what i mean it's like i, I don't have the luxury <laughs> to to um to try and try to hone my skills and whatever it's like i just jump in the deep end and try and work it out and i I don't know if like if it's just if it's luck or or what it's it's just i just that's the way i've done things i just jump in there and figured what's the worst that could happen I mean, I think some people, and I mean, I think we have a very similar philosophy to that, which is that idea of going, we were talking about this a little bit off air, which is that idea of going, I always look at my success, whatever it might be, as going, well, I'm no one special. Like I just try, I wanted to do something and I've, I've tried hard at doing it and I've been very lucky and had a whole bunch of opportunities along the way and all those sort of things. But I'm a kid from a farm and, you know, there wasn't a star above a stable the night I was born or anything <laughs> like this. And I often question it in myself. Like, what makes you think that you can walk out on stage in front of all these people and entertain them? Or what makes you think? But I don't really ever look at it like that. I kind of look at it like, well, there's a thing that they let you do. And so, and they let you do it if you're good enough at it or if you do this or whatever. So yeah. I'm going to try to do that. And, you know, I may or may not be able to do it. But I like, I worked out how you... Like, I mean, if I wanted to be an astronaut, the first thing I'd do is go, well, I guess I'll have to work out how you become an astronaut. Like, <laughs> yeah. what's the... Like, where do you... You, where do you, right. you start, like, at the Air Force or something? I mean, it feels like a long thing to commit to. Yeah, but... it's like, I, if I if you wanted to be an astronaut, you probably should have figured that out back when you were born with the star above the stage. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is it too late for me to become an astronaut, do not you think? If, well, not if you're rich enough. You can be anything if you're rich enough. No, but I mean, I think just me. Take my <laughs> position right now. Like, you know... Uh, I'm 42 years old. If I decided now, so I sell my house in Sydney, right? And I take the money from the house and I decide I'll give myself, I can give myself 10 years if I'm on a good budget. Like, because I'm going to be studying most of the time anyway, right? Yeah. Like, could I get smart enough in 10 years and train enough to be an astronaut, do you think? Probably. I reckon there would be an avenue where you could be an astronaut. I reckon there would be something that says... You know how they send like teachers into space and stuff like that? Yeah. There'd be something there. Uh, right. They need a comedy guy. Yeah. Where they need a podcast in space. Right. Well, <laughs> or, maybe that's the thing. That, like, they, oh, you know what? It's like Richard Branson or Elon Musk. And part of their kind of thing, yeah. you know, is like, oh, we're going to get like, you know, professional. We're going to have the first podcast in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Actually, that's go. right. That's better. And I don't have to study. You know, I just need to get. That's, you know, that's why I'm the ideas, man. Yeah, I, I, no, I'm, that's a good point. And I'm, I, I try to be a, a positive kind of dude. You know what I mean? I try to figure out how to do it. So, okay, ask me this then. Uh, ask me this. I'll ask you this. You don't have to ask me. I have turned into Yoda. I was thinking about Yoda and that piece of advice and now I've turned into Yoda. Uh, uh, when it comes to Australia, 
and these issues that we've been talking about. And by the way, I certainly, you know, uh, am not asking you to speak on behalf of, you know, the you know, Aboriginal and Indigenous Australian. What, what is there a preference for how I, I should refer to Indigenous people? Uh, academics care, I don't. Okay. As long as the context is correct, I'm chilling. Right. So the First Australians, I yeah, don't know. First is there Nations, something? Whatever, First man. First Nations. It's all good. Um, so. Uh, if I am a person, let's just assume we're in a world right now where I'm in charge and I, my, I've named as my number one priority of being in charge of Australia that I think Australia will be a great place, the greatest nation on earth. That's what I'm running on. I'm going to make yeah. Australia great again. And my first policy in making Australia great again is that by the end of my term, yeah. give me eight years or give me two terms, and it, it, no, that's a ridiculous time frame. But let's just say <laughs> my number one priority of my government is that I want to, you know, give Indigenous First Australians the same quality of life as any other Australian. Yeah. Where, where do I start? Again, I know this is a question that like a bunch of people have asked yeah. and a bunch of smart well, people. It's like, but yeah, like, for you, just personally, what's your opinion yeah, of where yeah, do I as start? me, like as a country kid, yeah. you know what I mean, who grew up until an adult, you know, rapper slash writer, comedy, whatever, whatever. Slash snowflake. Slash unique snowflake. Unique snowflake. <laughs> They're all unique, mate. That is a... <laughs> Isn't that a, what, what is it where you say the, it's redundant? Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's, anyway, it's an oxymoron. All snowflakes are unique. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like a, the approach I would advise would be to, to look like, to look into each, each region, each community and see what, what, like programs and what community um what community centers are doing and advise to that because i I think that's that's a mistake that people um assume that indigenous australia is just a blanket one one size fits all yeah whereas like each community needs different things well wasn't that the mistake from the start i mean even the idea that you know australia was made up of uh i mean i wish i knew the number of but hundreds of tribes hundreds of different tribes different languages different experiences different stories you know and that the 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 english came and just went well you're all the same for a start like from the very first moment yeah yeah you're all the same you are all now this thing that we have called you rather than a thing that you call yourself so so what you would see is like you know like I can only, um, you know, my experience and growing up in, in Shepparton it would be like my dad's footy club that is an Indigenous footy club, Rumbalara Football Club, that encompasses so much. Like it does the job of, of you know, it's, it's more than just a football club. Right. You know what I mean? It does so much. It's, so, it's such a bigger, there's like, you know, there was you know, money management programs and healthy lifestyle programs. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, anyone in, 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 in the country, like especially in country, regional Australia, understands when you're a part of a football club, for that football season, that football club is your life. You're there three, four days, you know, a week when you've got training and you've got, you know, nights on and then you've got the game day and stuff like that. It's like when you look at how 
through adversity, the success of, you know, a football club like that is like, that's where you would go to talk to someone about how to embrace the community and, you know, well, I mean, it just, it, it just seems to me, I mean, it's crazy that this is the first time that I'm hearing about this to me. It's yeah. crazy to me. Like, A, that may be my own ignorance that I haven't, like, done enough research and heard about these things. But, B, you know, we, we started with me speaking about the idea of, like, you know, AFL football and NRL as well. I mean, you know, these things that, you know, young Indigenous kids can literally aspire to. Not some, like, you know, fairy tale world where, yeah. like, I mean, maybe now they can grow up and be, oh, I want to be, like, Briggs or Trials or whatever. But yeah. they didn't even have that before you guys. No. But they've had... You know, there's in, that long history of Indigenous sports people that yeah. they could look up to where you can go, I can have this life, I can earn this money. But also a game that... So you're, what you are doing there is you are offering somebody, you know, and it would work with any community, a yeah. place that you can offer them in a reward, something they already want to do, which is play the game of football. Yeah. That is... Of course, that's the place to start, you know, implementing these other things as well. Yeah, it makes such simple sense to me. And, and, the, and the football club, like... As I said, it, you know, it um, Rumbelara does so much for the, you know, the whole community of Shepparton. You know, it's a top right. of the line, you know, sporting precinct. Like this, you know, in the off season, the, you know, the soccer, the soccer teams play out there and use the facilities and stuff like that. And but also, it runs the Academy of Sports Health and Education, which is kind of like a. A high school alternative thing and like a, a bit of a TAFE program for maybe kids who are disengaged or um, older young adults who want um, you know further education right and you know again the football club you know empowers that and it also you know along with Melbourne Uni but like it's about it, it creates a whole nother lifestyle so now these kids don't, you know and and adults, they they work there as well. It's like so, you know, five days of the week they're involved with the football club in some way, and then they're extra involved when there's training and when there's, you know, other jobs to do. Like pick the pick the under fourteens up for you know, and the and the coaching roles and stuff like that, and all these things. Like I, I think if you were trying to invest in a, you know in indigenous australia's future that's exactly the kind of programs that you would invest in well i mean the other thing about that is that you know on a on a sense that I, it's sad that it needs to be done but uh, but i'm sure that it does that I, I i've told this story a few times on i grew up in a place that i would have considered i imagine if you were a young homosexual kid growing up where i grew up it would have been hard because i was not a young homosexual kid and the amount of times i got called you know, faggot or whatever, like just because I was a little bit different. I can't imagine what it was like if, if you were yeah. literally living that experience, you know. Um, and a couple of years ago, oh, probably like a you know a decade ago now, uh, what happened was a, a local kid who was about my age and his like male partner moved back home to this town and opened the first cafe, like first proper cafe, first yeah. place you could get a decent latte, <laughs> a decent cup of coffee, back to that, in Hayfield, but also the place that people started having their birthdays and weddings and celebrations because it was the best place in town. If you're in a small town and you have one good place, that place then suddenly becomes the hub of the entire town. Yeah. And those two 
that couple opening that one cafe because they can make a good latte probably has made Hayfield one of the more progressive, like, you know, in regard to that because they suddenly know two gay guys who are living in this relationship are integral to everybody's life. And so to everybody, it's completely normal yeah. and for, for, no one ever thinks of it anymore, right? Yeah. Now, I know this is not the 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 first role of that, but I imagine within that community, there are people who have prejudices towards how Indigenous people manage their lives. We see this all the time, the cliches of those sort of things. So you have this broader thing of going, well, here's a community where you're seeing this thing that everyone can be proud of that is run by and schooled by and staffed by and, you know, played by. All right. I mean, I think I got to be honest, mate. This is a good policy to run on to (laughs) because I feel like I can like sell it to the people who actually are racist by going, no, this is going to be better for your draft picks. It's basically an academy. (laughs) This is essentially an AFL academy. It really is. No one's going to go home because they're culturally shocked anymore. (laughs) They'll be well trained. You know what I mean? This is, I feel like this is a winning policy. We can fix it. But like, that's what I mean. Like, I've, I've, like, just from my experience, like, obviously there's people out there who, who know like fucking right. way more than me and you know what I mean? Like all, and, but of course, like, you know, I, I've kind of led, a, led that as a disclaimer from the start, from when I first did this, sh- you know, from speaking out, it was like, I'm only ever speaking from my experience and whoever wants to come with me is more than welcome. You know what I mean? But all I ever try to be, is representative of myself you know what i mean like from start to finish all right so let's talk about you a little bit before we do finish um so i there's just some standard questions i always like to ask on the podcast so uh one of them is this uh what do you think happens when we die we go back to the universe yeah whatever that is what what do you think that is what's your fear do you do you care is it something that you i mean obviously I we, hope, we've I already talked not. about I hope, I hope i'm done right i hope it's it i hope it's it it's like i feel like you know i, I don't want to think anymore yeah oh mate i'm i'm the same <laughs> you know i'm like, I mean? like the minute, <laughs> sweet relief yeah sometimes when a plane jolts a little i'm yeah, like yeah oh, I'm okay, like, oh, okay i'm ready uh, i've done some yeah, stuff like i made my choice <laughs> 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 yeah, I threw my cards yeah. on the table. I, I made my choice by sitting, right. yeah. sitting in this plane. I, I, I just hope I'm in business class when it happens. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just like whatever it is. Like I feel like the universe is so you know it's so massive, and we're all made out of the same stuff from you know stars beyond to to everything that we see around us. You know, I think we just go back to whatever it was that w- formed us. In the first place. Do you think that life has a meaning? Like, do you think that there is some inherent reason that we are here and we do what we do? Or do you think we are a, you know, mysterious accident of like evolution or whatever in the you know, corner of the universe? Do you, I mean, is it even a thought that you, yeah, you know, these trouble are the, yourself with? These are the questions you ask yourself when you're laying in bed and thinking about all the stupid things you've done in life. Yeah. <laughs> like when you can't sleep. I, I, I don't know. Like, I always just thought, you know, we make our own meanings, you know, in life. That's how I feel. I feel like we, we, we create our own purpose. You know what I mean? Some people are more fortunate than others. And, you know, that's just the way that the cards are dealt. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that there's a, you know, that there, that there might be something that we haven't comprehended yet. But what that is, I don't think we're even ready for it. Uh, so 
What do you think the major issue facing the world more broadly is at the moment? Like if you had to identify, I mean, clearly the world at the moment, well, I, I, I don't want to yeah. put words in your mouth. How do you feel about how the world is at the moment? You're here in America, you're doing some exciting things in your life and your career, but you've also landed in a place to do those exciting things that yeah. have elected a guy that some people have compared, at least in like what he's said out loud to people like Hitler. Now, I don't know where it's going to fall or what the truth is. I feel like everyone always compares... To people to Hitler. Hitler, yeah. like I mean, in the intro to this show, I did say our next guest is like Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) He's the the indigenous (laughs) Hitler. (laughs) He's the indigenous Hitler. (laughs) I feel like, like, you know, I... When, when Trump first got into power, I was like, or president-elect, uh-huh. I was like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. But then I thought, ah, oh, maybe it's not that bad. I, I haven't seen that many presidents. Like, right. I don't know. I'm 30 years old. I was like, maybe I just haven't seen that many presidents. And then I asked some older people, and they're like, oh, no, this is mental. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this guy hasn't even been a governor. I'm like, oh, yeah, when you put it like that. Well, but, I mean, he didn't really know how any of it worked. Yeah, he did. He got surprised that he had to hire his own people for the West Wing. <laughs> yeah, I so that you was, guys did that. Yeah, he was like, that doesn't come with stuff? Okay, all right, sure. But like, um, you know, I feel like, you know, people, individuals in general, and the people I meet are lovely. Yeah. But the human race as a whole, you know, I'm not terribly optimistic. I feel like as as a human race, we're, we're very self-centered and very selfish and we'll lead to our own demise very quickly. I mean, it feels like it a bit at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah. So what do you then do? So what do you, like, you know, what do you do? Like, what do I do? What do we do if we do think that? If we do think that the human race is at the moment in, at the very least, let's just say a kind of self-destructive fingers in our ear la 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 we're not listening whether it becomes to the environment or world politics or disadvantage or inequality and these sort of things that are tearing the planet apart at the moment like i feel like we're in this stage of like there's been a backlash to some moves forward you know and what 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 do you do in 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 that time i feel like i i i was never a big planner Uh and i always just try to do the best i can in the moment and that's all I've ever tried to do so you know hopefully I'm just making the right moves towards saving the world (laughs) but I feel like that's always been uh, a strength of mine is winging it and that's what I I I always just try to you know at the I, I think as humans as people the least you can do is try to do the right thing. Uh, Well, that's as good a moment as any to finish the podcast on, to be honest. I could have asked you other questions. I did have some other questions, but to be honest, sometimes you just got to know when the mic has been dropped and we're out of the conversation. So, hey, uh, firstly, the the new album, Reclaim Australia, AB Original, um, it is available worldwide, right? I hope so. Yeah. I believe so. I think I, I, I downloaded it over here. So off, I assume that was off of my US iTunes. So let's, uh, just, let's just say that it is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, well, there'll be a bunch of songs that'll be up for the hottest 100, but I am hoping that January 26 will maybe feature prominently because I think that That'd will be, be a very awkward, necessary moment for what goes on. And I do think it's important. I mean, regardless, I mean, I 
believe that symbolism is important. I, I believe it's uh, important to then back up the symbolism with actual work. And I think that, you know, I, I can also hear the argument that actual work without symbolism is fine as well. Like yeah. we need to get <laughs> shit done. But I think that symbolism, if it's attached to something that's actually making change. And I just think to me, I mean, it's a great track already yeah. and Dan Sultan and it's like a really fantastic, you know, so, so it deserves to be there anyway. But for me, I think hearing it on that day is going to remind people a little of the fact that, you know, this is not a day that we should be celebrating. Let's especially, have a day that we can celebrate. Especially if it makes it into the hottest 100 on the last time that it's on that day as well. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I mean, I actually almost tweeted that exact same thing. I was tweeting the other day that I yeah. think that I was hoping that I would hear it, but I was going to tweet that exact same thing. I said, I hope, and I'm someone who loves Triple J. And by yeah. the way, this is the thing that I've got to say is, I can understand why you might have problems with Australia. You know, the story of your, like, you know, Australia to you is one that is very complex and things like this and the issues that are on the album. But I have no, like, Australia has been nothing but fucking great to me. Like, honestly, I landed in the best joy in the world and then I've stumbled my way into, like, having a great life in one of the greatest places ever to live. I, I say, my criticisms of Australia, I've always hated that, like, idea of, like, um, if you don't love it, leave. Yeah. It's so, like, it's oh, so no, no. Actually, I love it. I But I think it can yeah. be better. I yeah. think we've done all this by accident. Imagine yeah. if we had a crack at actually... Imagine if we tried. Right. Imagine <laughs> if we tried, you know. So uh, I would love it and I would love to remember that. And I would love that to be that last awkward thing that reminds everybody that let's let's not do this again. Let's celebrate next year on whatever day we've decided. On an inclusive day. Uh, yeah. Where we can all party. Right. Uh, so buy the album. That's obviously the first thing. But is there anything else you want me to uh, want to plug here at the moment while you got the audience here? Do you want people to follow you on Twitter? Do you enjoy yeah, that? They can, they can follow me on Twitter, Briggs GE, or Senator Briggs on Instagram. I'm there. What's your What's your preference of your social media? I think I like I like Instagram. Okay, the gram. What sort of photos are you posting on your Instagram? I've got to get around it. Um, I've just got back in Instagram. I'm not very good at taking photos, but Simpsons memes, lots of Okay. Yeah, nice. the, oh well, I'll enjoy that then. Yeah. Okay. Sim Simpsons. I like posting Simpsons pictures and you know, just random little studio things. And I like jokes. I realised the other day that I have um, uh, because I'm just new back into Instagram. I set it up years ago, but then just never got the hang of it or the joy of it or whatever. But I've been making a conscious effort, and I'm enjoying it a bit more. Traveling around a lot, there you, you can take some more photos. You know yeah. what I mean? But what I had realised was I also hadn't really followed that many people, okay. so I had such a weird, random selection of like photos that would come up. Because <laughs> what you once you follow heaps of people, you don't quite kind of notice that you. But yeah, at the no. start, I had I like, was really following some disreputable <laughs> people, and there was like some real sharp turns on the photos <laughs> that I was seeing. <laughs> Uh, I am on tour at the moment. Uh, when you hear this, I am in Madison, Wisconsin this weekend, if you are an American listener. Uh, after that, January 22 at the Comedy Theatre in Melbourne, I am recording Fire at Will, uh, which is uh, my uh, compilation show of the last two years' shows. But I will be talking about January 26 in that show. Uh, that'll be going on stand, but there's still some tickets available to be there on the night. Justin Hamilton doing support. And my critical, Critically Will tour is on sale all around Australia at the moment. So um, go to my website or comedy.com.au and 
uh, check out the dates and see where I'm coming to see you. Come and see a show. That'd be great. All right. There you go. Uh, thank you very much, mate. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Mr. Will. I said, hey, Briggs, pick a tape. Okay. You know what? We can celebrate. Sure. But we can come together, yeah. talk about the weather, call that Australia Day. I said, how about March 8th? That's a good one. And we can do it on your nails, great. We can piss up, piss on his face. <laughs> Get rid of the burn out like Mark Skate. <laughs> the screaming love or the leave it. I got more reason to be a riff. You can believe it. Or salute a constitutional. Who's underneath it? Turn that flag to a noose. Put a cease to your breathing. I can't get on my whip. I get a ticket for that. I get a DWB. And that's a problem my split. I turn the other cheek. I get a knife on my back. And I tell them it hurts. They say I overreact. So fuck that.